glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. As we worship at your throne, come Lord, take your place as king over us. We thank God every day that he's anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth king over us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, I was just making my notes in the worlds of yad heh vav since we're going through Yetzira now. And what's interesting is out of the Tetragrammaton, which is being inscribed upon our inner man, this world is symbolized in one way, in the Vav. And what is it said in the written Jewish history of the Vav? A Hebrew letter, an alive, living letter as a word of God, that he made the Vav king over thought. So as long as, you know, we could kumbaya for another two hours, Lord be king over my rubbish heap pile of Gehenna of my life, my soul, and all of its filth, or, and that's not a bad thing, and we sing it until we believe it, or we sing it because we believe it. You can just get offended and go away <laughs> angry. That's also an option. Though all the options are on the table before you. Which tables you want to eat at? <laughs> Become an enemy of grace. I tell you the truth. The bride of the Lamb is simply one who is married to the Spirit, the Word, and the blood of the throne of grace. Rising from the dead is simply growing in grace, which is marriage to the Lamb. Amen. And what is grace? Grace is the sapphire stone of Hesed. So until we rise on sapphire stones of the Word of God and the seven pillars of wisdom's house built within us, there can be no grace apart from the sapphire stone of Hesed. That is His loving kindness, His grace. Any grace apart from sapphire stone, crystal clear Hesed, running down, like rivers flowing like a fountain within you is not any grace but the greasy grace of the putridness of the vile excretions of demons of the imitation of grace of black sapphire stones or the appearance of lapis lazuli in the book of one enoch if you want to learn more of the differences between the mountain range of evil and the mountain range of God, the living God, who created the heavens and the earth, then get into the book of Enoch. And as we've already established, the book of Enoch is scripture. It is the word of God. It was written by the man who walked with God and was not because God took him. And why did he take him? He pleased God. How did he please him? He walked in his ways. He learned to walk in his footsteps. If you study the Psalms, there is a Psalm that instructs if you follow in his footsteps, there appears a way that no one even realized existed. When Bobby Connor was taken into the heavens through a glory portal that sucked him up last year, and he saw the Ancient of Days, what was the instruction? Walk in my footsteps. The Holy Spirit may walk beside you, but you stay right behind me. Every step 
It's about the teaching of the narrow way. Ascending within to grace, forsaking all that we've thought, you know, the grace and grace abounds. Well, there's a time and a period as you rise that that false grace comes off of your life. And there's no longer the grace to do what you once did before. Now you're becoming a new man. The new man is shining through. Yad, hey, vav, hey, inscribed within you. And you're rising. And nothing can stop you. The only thing that stops us is usually the brain, right? The thoughts, the mind, our past experiences in the world, our experiences in glory, what we think, how we think God is going to do it. So we're bringing that sacrifice again every day of living sacrifice, I die daily. And he made the Vav king over thought. So this tree, what that tells us is this tree of Yetzirah that we're rising through is God, the Father, Jesus Christ, his Son, and the Holy Spirit within you, sapphire stones, a man of light. King over the thought life. So whoever rises and conquers, Yetzirah within will have dominated by the power of the Holy Spirit, by his might, Gevra, and his love, his mercy, his grace, has said. And all those sapphire stones working in Is your ephod. Is that why ephod. it says in scripture that he builds with living stones? Le yes, living stones. Do you know the Bible says that God builds with living stones? These are those stones. They're planetary spheres of angelic abilities that were given to the spheres when his word created and named the stars. That's all written in Genesis 1. So it's completely biblical, but it's practically unknown to modern-day Christianity. But the Bible says that a far-off remote generation will teach righteousness and shine as stars. Daniel 12.3 So you can just... Imagine the kind of persecution misunderstanding you go from a dirt and dust earth church <laughs> to a heavenly celestial star and <laughs> sapphire sphere church because they completely contradict. And I'll be just vulnerable and honest with you guys. A lot of the higher sapphire sphere wisdom, it deals with previous understandings and challenges and irritates. It's like sandpaper. It needs to. Because it's a sacrifice. The sacrifice is something is dying in order for something else to live. In order to go higher, the lower understanding, the lower wisdom, the lower interpretation of Scripture, the lower Christian existence, even the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm, it has to die. That's good. That's a reasonable sacrifice. Every day, waking up, you know what, today, I know nothing. Everything, even all these copious notes, and even my favorite, one of my favorite episodes that we've made, The House of Wisdom, you know, it was like a two hour long. I just, I love it. If I had time, I'd go through and eat that one all the time. It's so enjoyable. But even all the best of all the notes and the revelations, we wake up every day, I know nothing. I know nothing. What do we know? But Christ formed within us crucified at the place of the skull, which is my understanding, my wisdom and understanding. That's why Da'at, in the center beneath them, needs to be resurrected, purged, cleansed, washed, the trash taken out to the heap of Gehenna, crucifixion, 
circumcised, get rid of those, that dark cloud, of the Gadol Anan, if you remember, this is one of the deep cuts from one of our series, of the soldier who arrested Jesus. It's the dark cloud of Yetzirah. Celestial circumcision. There's many spheres within that dark cloud. Black and white and gray. But altogether it looks, because black is a dominant color, it has a, the appearance of a black cloud. That's why. It's black and white and gray. And within that cloud, there are many small spheres. Sapphire stones with the appearance of lapis lazuli. But altogether that cloud forms around that world of Yetzira, that sapphire stone. And that dark cloud is what is being circumcised off of the body of Christ as a whole. As we rise and do it, all you have to do is be in agreement, learn it. And as you rise, it's going to be much easier. The Spirit put it on my heart to tell you this today, this, this, this testimony, this experience, to help you understand a little bit more the things of God and to help me understand as we're teaching and, and causing you to rise at these words that are planting seeds that as you mix them with your faith and believe that we're sent from God, it's growing and raising you up at a steady rate of growth according to your faith for permanent breakthrough, not the seed that just springs up really quick, like bam, and then just dies, choked out by the cares of the world, or just out on the flat, out exterior world, word, world, where the birds just come and grab it and take it. Can't even remember the teaching. But the good soil, where, like Brandon said, we're just grinding up those offenses, removing those stony places, tilling the soil, and gardening. If you take time to make sure the soil is right, you will thank yourself later. When the crops are mid-growth, and you are so glad you took care of the soil. Oh, I'm glad we took the time. It looked like there was nothing. Dirt and rocks on a little dead stick in the ground. That's my garden. That's what it looks like, you know. Patience. In good time, it grows and it sprouts. Not the more we yell at it, not the more we pray, pray, pray. But we take care of the soil. We protect the young plant. We give it a cross or a, a staff to tether it to to help it grow upright you see when you're a young sapling bunnies might be a threat when you're a young tree young deer are a threat but when it's a fully grown and you're a grown up as an oak tree those things aren't going to bother you anymore do you understand now, I was really naive. I thought, before I was brought on to full-time ministry, I was so dumb. I was so naive. I thought, in my mind, oh, that'll be so great, because I was working. I mean, I don't know anyone who worked more or harder or more hours than what I was doing for so many years. It was just, the workload was so crazy. And I'm sure they're out there, but in my circle of people that I'd known. I, I didn't know anyone who would ever keep a schedule like that or could, you know, do that. It was grace. I was in training. 
But little naive me, I thought, oh, it'll be so great. It'll be so easy. When I'm on full-time ministry and I'm, you know, because that what he said that, you know, that that's what we're going to take you. I thought when they told me this, all right, great, you know, you're going to be, you know, a full-time minister with us. And I talked to the Lord. At first, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it because I knew it would be, at least initially, I would, it would be less money, right? That's the money thing. Oh, I just got all this really nice job and I finally got the income because I was a faithful tither. And I tithed and I gave. And now it came back to me and now I finally, I can just give it the money and, you know, kind of casually like comment or make videos here and there. I wasn't prepared for what I was going to experience. When I said, okay, Lord, this is what you want to do, I'll do it. I left my job. I started doing the full-time ministry. I thought in my naive old self that when I would become a full-time minister, it would be just like my time at home alone with God when I was working a job, except without working a job and now everything else is just going to be just as great as my quiet time, my alone time. When you're brought into apostle, an apostleship, when someone grants you that, when the living God says, okay, you're going to be, you know, a young apostle, but here you're an apostle, that is completely different. I thought that my prayer time at home, now great, I love having prayer time, Bible time. I was using up pretty much all of my free time in between working crazy hours at my job for worship and dancing to the Lord, dancing with angels, praying, you know, fellowship. I would read the Bible out loud to Jesus. I would lay and wait on the Lord and encounter, have encounters. And I would have a type of wrestling of mostly, you know, uh, a type of warfare. And that was, that's what I thought wrestling was, was that warfare. I was so wrong. It's not until God takes you out of the workplace, you still have your, you know, warfare. It's not until he says, okay, you're going to be an apostle. And as soon as I was done working a job and I had full-time apostolic calling, that is when I first encountered principality wrestling. As in like front lines wrestling. It is, I was so naive. It is absolutely not even close to the same thing that God will allow you to deal with while you're working a job. And that's a grace, that's a mercy. I remember thinking, if I had a physical job, there's actually no way I would be able to do this type of wrestling because of the intensity that it takes in the body. And that's just the protocol of heaven. It's not something that God allows you to do while you're still working. And that's a mercy. You'll still you'll still wrestle with things. A lot of it's, you know, on the inside of us or you'll participate in the attacks that are going on. Everyone participates in the army of the Lord. You're all in the army. But apostolic the wrestling of an apostle, he absolutely does not allow you to participate in that unless your entire time schedule is devoted uh, to him because it's otherwise it would not be physically possible. And this is not just something, oh, you're just your opinion. It's just the way it works. 
I was very dumb. I was very naive. I didn't understand the difference. And having talked to, you know, Brandon, who has lots of experience in wrestling principalities for years, I had asked him, okay, because I'd been around for a while and dealing with the things Arlem dealt with, but I'd only been allowed to handle, I thought it was a lot, but it was actually a very small amount. And this really humbled me. And I remember texting him, what in the heck is this? I described it to him and he's like, oh, welcome to Apostolic Wrestling. <laughs> welcome to the WWE SmackDown. It is absolutely not the same. I thought it was so intense. That's why Prince Michael then. wears mm -hmm. wrestling tights. That's right. I thought of him too today. We were talking about that. Yeah. The intercessor of our people. It is written. Yeah. So the respect that I have now for anyone who is taken out of the workforce to be full-time in, and it's an apostle, even people who are just full-time intercessors, they will never feel or experience this. God gives us the grace to handle the max of what we can. And so everyone is going to be challenged. Everyone's going to take part in it, but it is absolutely not even close to the same. And he talked to me today and the Lord, he said, my people don't understand at all for the most part. Some of you do and you respect it and you understand these things. He's good. God has given you the grace to be able to know and understand. Mm -hmm. But the things that full-time set apart, these are the Levites. Levi did not have any other job other than the priesthood because why? They would fight in physical battles and in invisible battles. Mm -hmm. And some of them were, would die in invisible battles. These are the type of battles. It is life and death and he only uh, gives that to the Levites, those who are completely set apart. And that's not to take away from anyone else's role or say, you know, it's more this or that and the other. It's just the reality of how it works. And I didn't understand that. And there's no way I could have understood that until I walked in it. Uh, maybe there could have been a teaching like this with someone experienced the same thing. And I could have had it's an It's an interesting principle because yeah. if you study Jacob, a lot of Jewish mystics believe that when Jacob wrestled Samael, that's when he got his name changed. <clears throat> Notice it was the apostolic wrestling with principalities yeah. that turned him from Jacob to Israel. So it's what completely shifts the very names that reign from the sky and the heavens mm. over all biological life on planet Earth. And so Jacob was an apostle. What was his calling? Interceding by wrestling principalities. Amen. And uh, Jacob's well. This is really good. Jacob's well. There's something really special there with what you said about his wrestling. And you can really begin to understand the cosmic um, ability of the grace. It's an apostolic grace. I was going to call tonight's message cosmic ultra grace because that's really what's needed. Scripture really says that the, the measure of grace, and, and I understand grace as all of the light of the throne of Jesus. Like Jesus himself is a light being, Hebrews 1.3. That very light is the impartation for our resurrection. So I see it as the river of life. I see it as the content of the word of God. The very throne of the kingdom is called grace in scripture. And I believe all the sapphire spheres have different graces. There's not just one grace. There's multiple, many, many graces. All the offices are called graces. One grace that we're dealing with now is the grace to wrestle our arch enemies. The reason why you deal with in Red Letter Ministries so much opposition is because of the apostolic calling. 
There is not, honestly, there is not another ministry in America that has the whole perimeter surrounded by enemies who are constantly slandering, gossiping, making up lies, and doing anything possible to harm this apostleship. You don't deal with that. Bobby Connor does not deal with that. The Glory Stream, Joshua Mills, does not deal with that. Bill Johnson does not deal with it. The reason why our, our calling here in this ministry is to pioneer apostolic grace. So the wrestling is really uncomprehensible to most people. And because of the immaturity, they don't know how to remain and stay faithful. And the demonic influence and the lies and the gossip and the slander and the poison and the darkness consumes most of them. Which means to be front lines and to participate with front lines apostolic ministry, you have to be soldiers. You have to be underneath the dread champion covering. It's true. You get tested on every side. You be challenged. The belief systems of the champions are far different than those with less experience down below. So to be accurate in teaching comes from constant wrestling of the enemy and finding out and discovering in God and Christ in you what it takes to defeat enemies. Amen. And it becomes real wisdom through real experience of advancing the front lines. And that is what Jacob did. That's what the 12 patriarchs did. That's what the 12 apostles did. That's what the kingdom is doing. John the Baptist, the kingdom suffers violence. What part of the kingdom. John the Baptist was the very spearhead of preparing the way for the Lord Jesus. He was the very pinnacle of the front lines of all the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And he suffered violence. <laughs> Amen. That that was so powerful. Jacob's apostolic wrestling and that name change to Israel, wrestling with Samael. And you know what's interesting is we talk about Jacob's well. Well, let's look at New Torah in John uh, chapter 4. Jesus said, You don't know the gift of God or who is asking you for a drink of this water from Jacob's well. Because if you did, you would have asked him for something greater. And he would have given you the living water. Now, what is this New Torah that Jesus is speaking of. What waters, what is the gift of God? He's talking about Jacob's well. He's talking about Jacob's ladder. Where did we see this appear? When Jacob was fleeing from Esau. And that place, he saw the gift of God, which was the promise of Abraham. It was the inheritance of Abraham and Isaac. By his mother's instruction, a proverb of his mother's instruction, which represented his mother above, heavenly Jerusalem, and his mother below, Rebecca, who told him how to get what God wanted to give the to him. The blessing and the birthright. It's the blessing and the birthright. You don't know the gift of God or who is asking for a drink of this water. Jacob's well was that sapphire stone. How do we know? Because in the book of Yetzirah, or in the book of Jasher, when he fled Esau and he came to that place, there were angels ascending and descending on what do we know about sapphire stones? That is the ladder. 
And what do we know from our study in the wells? Where do those deeper wells come from? Hakma and Bina. That was Jacob's well. Jesus knew of a deeper well, a greater well of wisdom and understanding. The limited understanding of the Jews, of the Pharisees and Sadducees of Jesus' time, they honored a physical, natural well, and that's Jacob's well. Sir, you sit by this deep well, a thirsty man without a bucket in sight. Where does this living water come from? Are you claiming superiority to our father Jacob who labored long and hard to dig and maintain this well so that he could share clean water with his sons, grandchildren, and cattle? Why did they dig wells? Because they understood what was done below would correspond to what was done above, and if they did it in the correct place, the correct time, according to God's will and his divine design, it would be a blessing for generations. And they had to do things in the natural realm. They weren't Gnostic. They didn't think, oh, just only in my thought, only a thought, like the Jews wandering around the desert for 40 years, just only in my belief system, only my thought, and we just have manna, and we just have the well of bitterness to sustain us, and we can just talk about the different details of, you know, what Mo Moses told us and described about the Torah coming down. But to get into the promised land and take it, the patriarchs knew what it took because they were laying the foundation for taking the promised land, which was doing the works that the Father had ordained. And what, what is this well? What is Jacob's well? Well, it's interesting. What's the top of the well? Keter, right? The crown, the heights, the highest place, the source, the throne from which the waters stream over the threshold of the door, that water that comes down, the heavenly temple within. When Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is within you. So what is that top, that crown? And we talk about, you know, the Hebrew alphabet and the different meanings. And we know the Hakma is the Yad, and that Bina represents the hay, the fire rose, the Vav is, you know, the six, the number of man, the six sapphire stones. And the final hay is the Shekinah, you know, the moon, the purity, sexual purity of Joseph, and the earth, the Shekinah, you know, all those things received down and through the moon and into the earth, earthen vessel, you know, you and I. But what is that, that top one? What part of the name of God is, is, is Keter? That is the Aleph. I am the Aleph and the Tav, he said. I am the beginning and the end. Well, if Yod is the first part of the name, what is the... Or if the Yod is the first part of the name, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, then what is the Aleph? It is that unheard in this dimension, breath of his mouth that begins to form yad he vav he when he opens his mouth and breathes before you even hear a sound. Or you could say the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit as he speaks instruction to you. Then you'll hear him, that voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. It's the breath of God, the voice of God. It's the highest heights of the deeper well, the pure will of God. And what I found was interesting, I was studying this letter today. 
Aleph. And what, when you spell out, instead of just the Aleph, that looks like a little X, or a cross, or a cross of Christ, you said, I am the Aleph, and the Tav. If you spell out that letter, Aleph, Aluf, it means champion. Some of you, my prophetic friends, have been saying that word Jesus has been singing to you, champion. Someone even sent me this song, this is what God is singing over you, I know it, champion. What is this, this team, this mighty company that you're being trained, you're being risen up as champions of grace? What is the well of champions? It means a general, aluf, but alufi, that champion, aluf plus the yad, that next step, it means my champion. Now see your father watching you hit the mark of the high calling in Christ, in your heavenly calling, your heavenly destiny, and saying, that's my champion. That's my son. That's my daughter. And can you think of anything else more worthy of your time, existence, and effort? And you don't have to be a full-time apostle to do it. You can be in the business place. You can be in the marketplace. It just means you're not going to have to deal with as much of the intensity of the physical confrontation wrestling as the apostles. And that's largely a good thing. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone to feel that. But I have the greatest respect for those who do. And some of you are being trained in it to the point that you can handle currently while working a job because you have an apostolic calling and that's usually what he does. You'll increase the intensity and then when it's time, he'll allow you to, to wrestle things like that. But he never does it when you have other obligations like that. Now, one more thing on Aleph, the deeper well, the champion's well of Jacob, that well of undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That champion's well that gave him the victory. If you get the victory over Samael and Had, what is victory? Netzah. That's how you move from Had to Netzah. The champion's well of victory, Jacob's well, that Jesus spoke of, not that the Pharisees and Sadducees knew of externally, but within. Jesus is that well. And where does the Aleph first appear in the Torah? Where do you first see Aleph? Genesis 1, verse 1, Elohim. Now what does that mean? That's what you're becoming. In the beginning, what did he create? Mankind. Man in his own image. And what is this champion, Aleph, Aluf? We spell it out. It can mean general, it mean champion. Another way it's interpreted in English is chiefs. You may have heard some chiefs' prophecies. Who are the champions? Who are the chiefs? Double-edged sword, we're dealing with our side and the other side. In the Old Testament, Chief Magdiel, Chief Iran. These are the chiefs of Edom. Again, in the Old Testament. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, my close friend. Talking of a betrayer, King David. 
but in the New Testament. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood only, but against the principalities. The chiefs, the principalities. Some translations refer to it as the dukes. The powers against the, the world rulers. And what is that? The principalities? The powers of the air. And what is the main element of Yetzirah that we're in? Air. You, my friends, as you're rising. You're becoming Elohim. Champions of grace. By drinking from the champions well of living water. <laughs> when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, amen. What football game are you playing in? I know some of you know you're playing, you're going for the, uh, Ring on Saturn. <laughs> oh, celestial football. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. The yearnings for a deeper well within you. And nothing can stop you. <laughs> Release the living waters. Let your wells uncork. Fine! Within you. And drink deeply. Lovers of God. Who have a burning, zealous love for the Holy Spirit. Joel 2-7. They run like champions. <laughs> Into the fight. Like skilled soldiers. They scale city walls. Every man marches in formation, never leaving his rank. You are a champion. To face the spirit of Babylon, you will be have you will have to become champions of grace. Champions of spirit, champions of the word, <laughs> champions of love, and the love is knowing him and what he's made available to your spirit <laughs> from your bellies. <laughs> so tapping into the champion sauce. Aha, <laughs> the champion's well of victory. Netza. The resurrection power of the Lord <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> It's going to require us to be completely God-inside-minded. More than this. There's really an infancy in God-inside-minded, like it says in Timothy. 
birthing the child. That's something you do under the sun. Almost no one's done it yet. We don't even have infancy in the body of Christ and God inside-mindedness because of how much bewitchment and externalism there is everywhere. So the church is nearly completely apostate in Laodicean false earthly Christianity focused on external things instead of Christ in them whatsoever. So when you start teaching on birthing the man Jesus and bringing forth the man of God from within, it's incomprehensible. It cannot be known unless you know the child first. And so I, I know the Holy Spirit is making it practical for you tonight that first you must know the child in your belly. And the child will grow, which means you'll make room for more mature things of God to pass through your spiritual womb in birthing more of the kingdom of heaven that's already fully within you. Now it's fully within. What's the issue? We don't know it. We don't know him. So, arch enemy is not knowing. That's what Jesus Christ said. He said, if you do not know, you'll depart from him. What causes departure from him who is heaven? Not knowing. That's what's written. Not knowing. So it's that internal, intimate knowing of him, his levels, <laughs> his degrees, his kindness, his lamb nature, his severity, his lion nature, his years, which are his rings, and his rungs, his levels. You know, Jesus descended and ascended, which is, you will see angels ascend and descend upon the Son of Man. What path do you think they're going on? The path of their Creator. There's only one path. Now, in the time of ancient Rome, it symbolized that the path was controlled by the enemy. This was symbolic in the realm of the natural. Now today, that path of the heavenlies, the path of stars, the path of lightnings, is controlled by the enemy. Until we arise as a great army, they run like champions on the way, in the path, then the path and the ascension belongs to the righteous. That, my friends, yeah. is what we're fighting for. You have heard during the church age that you're saved by Romans roads. Oh, I was wondering what that meant. I don't. Romans roads is the four verses from Romans that you say Romans to get saved, roads. and your Jack Chick tracks. Oh gosh, I'm glad I missed yeah. that that boat. <laughs> and people got saved. That's what they hand you out at Billy Graham meetings. Nice. Okay, so now that'll get you saved under Babylon, but notice not a single one of them ever overcame Babylon. They were always under Babylon, and that's the truth anyhow. It's a different path over Babylon that the angels walk in and fly in and move in. You will see angels ascending and descending. What are they ascending and descending on? A path. So, we've had a path on earth, and that takes no wisdom. Animals can drive a car down a road just because there's a path laid out for them in the realm of the natural. That takes zero faith, zero wisdom. But, as you're growing in wisdom and growing in faith, 
you have the blueprint in the realm of the natural so that you have an understanding that it also exists in the spirit. So he is so gracious to give us building blocks, first in the natural, then in the spiritual, to help our faith grow and put vision into our minds of what exists in the spirit. Amen. If it exists in the natural, it always exists in the spirit. Nothing can exist in the natural unless it exists in the spirit. Now, something a lot of you don't realize is when you move things in the natural, it does sometimes create or move things in the above world. It's not just being above and oh, recreating down below. There is a being below and recreating up above. Otherwise, things would not work out for you because you start out below. And you're working in both realms as it's written descending and ascending, not ascending only. So, that's where you really deal with the beasts and the birds in all dimensions of the below and above world. Therefore, you have not just the new heavens, but a new earth. So, the wisdom of the ages is the wisdom of the above and the below and how all of it works through God creating man and woman in the beginning. And so when you grow in wisdom, you grow in the sovereignty of the creator over creation. And there will be stepping stones along the way that you need certain knowing of certain revelations in order to walk those paths. My ways are higher than your ways because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Notice Jesus Christ knew all their hearts, it is written. But then the next verse says he knew their thoughts. So knowing hearts is knowing your thoughts. Which means there will be thoughts above which will create ways above. There will be thoughts below that will create ways below. There's a perfecting of both of them. New heavens thoughts, new earth thoughts for new heaven's ways and new earth ways. What are some of the new earth ways? We're not immoral anymore. We're not lazy anymore. We're not liars anymore. Sainthood, because we have new thought life by the impartation of the Word of God <laughs> into our spirit so that we think differently below, therefore we act differently below. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, what happens when your heart's raised up into the heavenlies? Then your heavenly thoughts, think about the things above, Philippians 4, so that there's heavenly ways. So when Paul says, some of you know how to lay out in the Spirit, but I want you to walk in the Spirit, it's you know how to be a Christian below, but you do not know how to be a Christian above. That's what's written, that's what he's talking about. Talking about the celestial glories and the terrestrial glories. In mm -hmm. Romans chapter 9, there's the glory of the plant. That's what the Bible says, mm -hmm. the glory of the animal, and there's the glory of the human being, there's the glory of the stars, there's the glory of God, and all the glories, multiple glories, mm -hmm. six glories mentioned there in the scriptures, are all different. Mm -hmm. So it's like the glory and the light of the above and the below perfected in your hearts and in your minds, and all your minds, really multiple minds, because you're a multi 
part being, three parts, spirit, soul, and flesh. And you have the God part of you, which ain't you, it's grace. <laughs> which means God is living in the midst of you with his throne, with his armies, and his kingdom, so you're saved. If God's not living in the midst of you, just ask Jesus into your heart and be sincere, confess with your mouth, and begin to live for him and his kingdom with all your thoughts, and he will correct you below and above and raise you up. Amen. Jesus' intentions for all of you is to share with you all of his inheritance in the heavens and the earth. He can transform earth. Almost all of you have earthly testimonies of how the natural realm in the earthly has transformed since you came into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Imagine what your heavens will do for you when you come into a heavenly knowledge. That's why we need the teaching of righteousness. That's why God has made a way for a stage for Rebecca, predestined foreordained, to teach and lead the teaching of righteousness and cosmic righteousness. Because nobody, guys, nobody is doing it yet. Okay? So we just thank you for the grace and the patience and the wisdom and the understanding for what we're doing here when we face all opposition, not just from previous established doctrines in Christianity, who are a bunch of know-it-alls that are no longer children or teachable about anything higher than them, but also the whole kingdom of hell that violently, viciously attacks us every day. So you can begin to understand the war. Jesus Christ said, before you go to battle, count the cost. It doesn't just mean yeah. what it's going to cost you, which means come with the wisdom of what the battle is. So yeah. you're not taken by surprise when you have mm -hmm. 250 demon-possessed warlocks surrounding you, constantly attacking you mm -hmm. with lies because you joined in apostleship. You have seen the war, you understand the battle, and you know your soldiers, you mm -hmm. read your Bibles, you're learning to put on the armor of God, you're learning to fight the good fight of faith, you're learning to understand how the kingdom advances, mm -hmm. and you're participating in it according to your faith. Mm. That's so Amen. good. Amen. That's so good. Sound the alarm. Prepare the soldiers for war. They run like champions into the fight. That's right. <laughs> How are they empowered to fight? What was Gideon's 300? Come on. I know this crew. They're drinking from a deep well. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, and yeah, you're going to need it. I was you're talking gonna... to Jesus last night. I said, man, the opposition right now, Lord, is really overwhelming. And I don't know how to do anything more than I'm already doing. And I'm just kind of just pouring out my heart to the Lord Jesus last night because it's intense for me the last couple weeks what we're facing and you know what Jesus said he said just keep drinking my blood mm -hmm. that's what he said he said drink yep. the cup man and yeah. it, you'll you'll get over it you'll break through it his yep. blood is invincible in battle yep come on amen that's so good <laughs> Gideon's 300 <laughs> We're drinking the cosmic blood of Jesus here. And it is ultra pure, ultra rarefied, highest quality that you could ever find. Supremely intoxicating and celestially uplifting. You know, it's incredible by a small measure of faith in the earthly, what the blood was able to do during the church age. Yeah. Get people saved, do miracles, and it's been incredible. We haven't seen anything. 
Bible says he saves the best for last, and it's not even comparable to the glory of the former house, which means no one in Christianity has a clue. That's literally what it says. You, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has in store, which means it's not even fathomable to your minds or your current level of maturity of anyone in the body of Christ. That's what scripture says. And this is when that blood is working at a cosmic level over solar systems, which is all the energies and input of DNA and data, elementally, inside biology. You understand? It's the programming of creation. You have not seen the sovereignty of the blood over the doorpost of Keter, Baina, and Hakma. You've seen it on the earth over you and your outer man, with your old Adamic man, and it still did things there. But as you go up, which is higher in the Father's will, higher in the Father's ability, as you rise to Him, like the younger prodigal son, if he would have stayed there and just had beliefs about his father back home, there wouldn't have been much help. He could have cleaned up his life, but he wouldn't have been with God. Mm -hmm. He had to take the journey physically back there, spiritually, mentally, morally back there, and experience it for himself mm -hmm. and get his mind blown because he barely knew anything about God until he came to God and walked with God, mm -hmm. which symbolizes our resurrection path, mm -hmm. which means... The opinions you have below about God, he had some right beliefs about God. He thought he knew his father. He kind of knew his father. <laughs> he knew him better than the religious one. That's true, Luke 15. But until he came to the house, he didn't know he was celebrational. He didn't know he was going to kill the fattened calf for him. He didn't know he was going to bring him in, put a robe on him, put a ring on him, a necklace on him, and sandals on his feet, and just completely transfigure his whole existence. Plus, he start a new diet which is new, diet. new knowledge, a beginning of Ooh. knowing God. So it's time to put the witchcraft <laughs> junk food away. I think this is a really good season. If there's something that you feel like you've been consuming or eating, like spiritual material, and it's not really feeding your spirit, it's more inflating the ego or getting you off into like weird like soulish visions, I would say right now, go ahead and just cut that out. Uh, and I'm not saying that just so you can say, oh, just only watch us. I know this is the highest quality that you can find out there. So that's why we're, you know, presenting you with the highest quality uh, but you know the word uh, the word and the water the wine and the blood the bread the table of Melchizedek if there's something else that you're feasting on or you're going to and it's not producing good fruit but you're kind of addicted to it I would say you know there might be somebody watching if I feel this for you go ahead if the Holy Spirit has highlighted what that is to you maybe it's a specific YouTube channel uh, maybe it's a type of, you know, just a website or whatever it is that it's inflating the ego and producing bad fruit and it's getting you into chaos, panic, and confusion. Cut that out. Maybe it's something that you used to watch that used to help you in your earlier, you know, years or seasons, but it's no longer fruitful. You've already gotten everything you could out of it and all it's doing is capping you off from future growth. You say, okay, I'm thankful for what it did for me then, but I got to move on. I got to go higher. This is keeping me lower. I got to go higher. So we're, we're cleaning up the diet. We called it mixed seed. Mm -hmm. It is shocking how many Christians mm -hmm. are addicted to witchcraft that mm -hmm. pretends to be Christianity. Mm -hmm. And it's most. It's the majority. that are What they think they're intaking is only for their natural senses. That's why their spirit man never gets built up and they never resurrect and they're not encounter, encountering the heavenlies all the time yeah. in the narrow way. 
It's because of witchcraft. They're getting robbed of their inheritance from angels of light deceiving them through false Christian teaching. False Christian teaching doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong teaching. It means it didn't come from the Spirit of God in heaven. It's not the daily bread. It's just some man and woman doing ministry. A man and woman doing ministry that's not directly from the Father is an abomination. Yeah. It's forbidden. It's actually mm -hmm. witchcraft. Mm -hmm. We have all kinds of Christian ministries mm -hmm. here that are not dedicated to Father's daily bread, mm -hmm. but whatever thing is in their vain imagination, and they call it daily bread. Right. It's sin. So you're eating sin, you're eating witchcraft, they have all these ideas. Mm -hmm. The daily bread has to be the bread which is teaching of all the priests. Mm -hmm. So you can always tell the ones that are synchronized with heaven because they'll have a sim similar message every season. I noticed that with dozens of prophets mm -hmm. the last 17 years of full-time ministry. that They're synchronized. We're talking about the same stuff. Different language, different soul, different glorified personality, but basically same subject matters. There is unity in the daily bread. Unity of the brethren in the daily food. If you're not eating the food, you're not in the Father's house, Luke 15. You're outside the Father's house, which means you're just caught up in the human being. Mm. Which means you're caught up in the goat. Woo. <laughs> you're caught up in the devil, and you think it's Christianity. The key to transforming the personality, the person, and the personality, is eating what the Father's serving. Come on. Amen. So, angels be loose to bring people... To what the Father is serving in Jesus' name. And let there be all kinds of exposure on the witchcraft of the demons mm -hmm. pretending to be what the Father's serving. When people react with negativity, with offense, with pride, you know they're eating witchcraft mm -hmm. and not the daily bread. Yeah. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, which means there will be humility, there will be childlikeness, Christ-likeness. Those that are obedient to God will have the same walk as Jesus. What is that? A humble servant of the Holy Ghost. And he's teachable. He's learning. He's hearing what the Father's saying. He's doing what the Father's doing. He's not caught up doing his own thing. Every single morning, the Bible says, he went up into a high mountain and had fellowship with his Father. He had no day planner. He had no agenda except knowing his Father. That's it. You know what Christian ministry? Jesus Christ is the apostle of apostles. You know mm -hmm. what that means? Getting to know God and only advancing God the Father's agenda daily, fresh, mm -hmm. each morning. Those are the mercies new each morning. So mm -hmm. Moses brought the word from the mountaintop to feed the people each morning. So what is the feast of the Lamb? Mature apostles. Mm -hmm. Truth anyhow. People that know how to prepare exactly what God's saying. And there will still be a little human being mixed in there. You know what? That's good. That is totally necessary. Paul had that too. And anyone that didn't follow Paul went to hell, it says in Scripture. And he was dealing with all the same crap back then of men and women's egos, of everyone having their own personal relationship with God that supersedes Paul. Paul and John both said, if anyone does not follow our teachings, kick them out of the assembly. Do you realize mm -hmm. that's written in the word? Mm -hmm. You haven't even tasted apostolic authority in this generation. This is Laodicean, false love everywhere, where nobody has absolute authority to punish wrongdoing, 
to just remove people because they're full of Satan. We're going to come into that. Before this earth is completely cleansed from the devil, you're going to cleanse it from pride. Mm -hmm. So little by little, by eating the daily bread, you are cleansed from pride so that we're like the children of God mm -hmm. and we're humble, teachable, and hungry mm -hmm. for God the Father. My sheep hear my voice and they do not obey another, which means they know my food. Mm. Christians right now don't know the food of the Father. I know they don't because of how much witchcraft is forced down their throat mm -hmm. through God-outside-minded Christian witches and warlocks pretending to be full-time ministers. Truth anyhow, when you begin to know the diet that builds up the spirit for the greater mm -hmm. glory of knowing Him on the inside and the tree of life springs up in you into the Garden of Eden, you will not have a diet of any food outside of the Father's house. You only mm -hmm. eat the bread of doing the will of your Father in heaven. Like Jesus Christ, your older brother, what makes you the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ according to the Bible? Eating the food of the Father's will and no mm -hmm. other spirit's will. Not your spirit's will, not your spouse's will, or your parents' will, or society's will, or your local church's will. Not, certainly not your government's will, but the will of God, the creator of everything. Those who do the will of God know God's authority. And we're going to get so synchronized in the food of God and doing the will of God that He gives us the authority of God. Then, wickedness, false leadership, Arian, uh, Aaron and Miriam murmuring against the leadership of Moses, punished with leprosy and scourging outside the camp for seven days, and everyone waited until she was cleansed, which is righteousness. Amen? Waiting until you're cleansed by the washing of the water of the Word to walk with the armies of God, to run with the armies of God. There is a waiting for the washing. Mm. There is a plaguing and there is a scourging. And what's the plaguing? The revealing of sin on the inside of you. We say, oh, I don't have the plague. I have pretty decent health. You know what the plague is? Corrupted DNA. Mm. Wormy, crooked, nasty, reptilian, bird, beast DNA inside the human being. That's why it's called... You have to crucify the impulses of the flesh. Why? Because the DNA is crooked and vulnerable to a hundred million demons through electric, electrical charges in the flesh and in the blood of the animal to constantly do the wrong thing until the cross terminates it, which means ends the plague, which is crucifies the flesh and the brain and all the external influences to be spirit-led, and be spirit-fed. Then, doing God's will is all that remains. The narrow path is the only path, and you can't follow another. You can't listen to another. You'll all know the great shepherd as one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, and He'll be one, and not 100,000 like it is now. Why is it 100,000? Because of the crookedness of DNA and demonic influence, because Satan's number one attack is a kingdom divided that cannot stand. What is standing? Taking the cosmos. What is laying down and sleeping? Being on earth. So we have not stood up as the body for all the cosmic armor, 
and cosmic garments to function appropriately as the bride and body of Christ ruling over the earth from the heavenlies. Revelation 5.10 it is written. It's the awakening or the standing up. Clean hand, pure heart, not lifting yourself up into idols, which means that the inner man is now submitted to the will of God. Uprightness is standing up, not just doing the right thing in the earthly realm. That's still laying down. That's religion. You're just laying down. You're sleeping still. If it's just do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs in the earthly, you're laying down, you're sleeping, there's no awakening, there's no real Christianity in your lives. When your spirit man awakes and eats the food of your Father in heaven, you stand up into the seven heavens, influenced by the angels of the seven heavens, hearing the counsel of the heavenly Sanhedrin, and you will not listen to any other word or will. You can't get influenced by politics if you're awakened. Only if you're sleeping. You can't be influenced by rebellion or religion if you're awakened. Only if you're sleeping. And that's what keeps you sleeping. Jesus Christ says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine out of you. Great. Amen. As the outpouring of his resurrection, which is him, awakened from sleeping in death. Amen. He slept. Why? Because we're sleeping. He awakened. Why? For the potential of our awakening if his word that awakens is received into our hearts, heard into our ears, allowed to change us and rearrange us, confront us, shake everything that can be shaken. And it's always someone out there. It's always like Hillary Clinton or the Southern Baptists or any Christians that don't agree with my teaching and doctrine and my local church and my clique and my friends and my little culture. Listen, man, you know what's going to be shaken? The entire human being for the new creature to be fully revealed as zero part human. That's what's going to be shaken first in you and if you allow everything in you to be shaken almost no one does except that the standard be lifted up in the body of christ it never would the standard is unknown in christianity right now for all to be shaken what needs to be shaken the humanity the 666 which is the number of humanity shaken out of the entire brain and hand which is the soul and flesh the soul and flesh have to be shaken of everything that can come out of it. It's like shaking the fig tree until the figs are all off and the leaves are all off and it's uprooted and thrown into the fire. That's what John prophesied, what was making straight the way of the Lord, destroying the fig tree, man's Christianity, man's Judaism, man's religion, man's interpretation of the divine word, all of that. That's why the whole movement is outside of man, outside of church in the Bible. Remember what Acts 28 says? I'm leaving church. That's exactly what Apostle Paul says. I'm never going to church again. That's what he said. I'm going to the Gentiles. I'm done with the synagogue. And we say, no, there's no churches, guys. Yet didn't have the Roman Catholic Church killing people to build their temples yet. You didn't have all that abomination of religion yet. 
What you had was organic, free-range Christianity. And a people that were understanding that religion and those that were stuck in their ways were no longer going to be ministered to by God and His leaders. That's what Acts 28 says. So if you want to be a part of Acts 29, that's a real popular thing in the charismatic church. That means don't go to churches anymore. Because that's what Acts 28 says. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to the Gentiles. Maybe go into the bars, the highways and the byways, go into the nightclubs, wherever the Holy Ghost leads you. Amen? i tell you where He's going to lead you, into the internal resurrection, so you're not a God-outside-minded worker, but a God-inside-minded resurrector. Amen? Right. And until you're walking on <laughs> sapphire stones, going out into the highways, the byways, the bars and nightclubs, realistically, you're just going to end up getting sucked into rebellion. Because the pull of their gravity of darkness within them is likely going to be, you know, depending on your experience, but even sometimes despite your experience, it's going to have a stronger pull on your blood. It's that magnetic pull of that gravity of darkness to black sapphire stones. Uh, so that's why when people try to, you know, I'm, I'm leaving church. And what, is, what do we tend to do? What did Ruth, Ruth Heflin say? Uh, it's the same thing that... Uh, Rick Joyner talked about in his books when even in revival Ruth Heflin said you know uh, she had her pulpit on the stage and she noticed it was not centered she likes it to be in the center right in the middle like just perfect can you Holy guys ghost OCD glory. yeah she's like it needs to be perfect and the, and they said can you guys come up and move it then move the podium a little this way and she said, well, that's, she thought it was going to be better, but she said, well, now it's, it's a little too much that way. Yeah. And then she said, right. she said, well, that's how it goes, isn't it? Doesn't it? We go, you know, to correct, and, and we end up going a little too far that way. So what God's going to do, he's going to have you kind of go back the other way a little bit. Same thing with Rick Joyner. When he would, he would find himself, he would get all stirred up, he'd have a vision, an encounter, and he'd get on the straight path and, and take a few steps and then go into the ditch on one side. And then, oh, got to go the other way, out of the ditch. Oh, on, we're going strong. We're on the straight and narrow. Boom, ditch on the other side. <laughs> and the Lord appeared to him and said, you've done this most of your life. Most of us have done that our whole life. With those two witnesses, you know, as our witnesses today and your own personal life's testimony as a witness, how often... Do we get, you know, stirred up? Here's the narrow path. Those moments where you had clarity, you had focus. You knew God was telling you, this is the way I walk in it. But something happened. And you get off of the path over here. You correct. When you correct, don't overcorrect to go off the path on the other side in the ditch. It's that straight and narrow way. What's going to keep you there? The fountain of righteousness surrounded by many fountains of wisdom. You're going to have to get wisdom. What was the deeper well we talked about in the previous Joel's bar? Hakma and Bina, wisdom and understanding. Listen to your father's instruction. Listen to your mother's instruction. That represents Hakma and Bina. Those are those deeper wells. So that's the well you want to tap into. Drink that well. That deep wisdom, those are those silver fountains of wisdom that keep you on the path of righteousness, which is a straight and narrow way. Those are the fruit of the tree of life, Remember, what is that timely word spoken? Like golden apples, righteousness, and settings of silver, the fountains of wisdom. Because without wisdom, you're going to be on the path, off the path, on the path, off the path. You're going to be deterred. Notice it's apples, mm -hmm. which means food. Yum. 
Edibles. Mm -hmm. Heavenly edibles. Something that needs to be digested into the inner person it has to go into the spirit within mm -hmm. the stomach. You could analyze apples all day. You could test for the safety of the silver, test for mercury levels, test for, you know, the quality. Well, how good, how quality is it this season? Or all you the could DNA is in the seed. eat the fruit containing the seed <laughs> that has the divine DNA genetics on the inside that will produce fruit after its own kind in your life. Amen. So words are ultimately DNA imparters and DNA creators. I'm thirsty for a tapache from the, a deeper well. Brian, could you bring me a tapache? The white one? <laughs> Thanks. It's good stuff. So, I love the teaching of Bob Jones about genetics and DNA. Oh, yeah. He said, everything's DNA. The whole world is made out of DNA. But the only thing that has the ability Thank to you. change DNA is genetics. Which is when Jesus Christ comes into your spirit. That is the only potential of any man or woman to heal and change DNA. All the New Age stuff is stupid. Absolute Amen. mental illness, religious madness. But what is incredibly wise is Jesus the Creator with His genetics. Now look at genetics as Creator's ability. When God spoke, it was created, it is written. So that God's speaking ability is the genetics imparted within you to recreate your souls. The Bible says you have to have your soul recreated, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is part of your soul. You have to have your soul restored. Psalms 23, he restores my soul. Otherwise, you're as big of a mess after believing in Jesus as before. Mm -hmm. Unless you get restored, which means you have to learn how to recreate DNA. Mm -hmm. understanding what the genetics are and I know the genetics are the Holy Spirit in you the Holy Spirit's understanding of the Bible which is huge because the word recreates the <laughs> DNA oh the Torah it makes straight the way the Torah of the Holy Spirit the Torah of the Holy Spirit has anyone ever said that this is <laughs> the, the Torah, Torah of, the Holy, of the Holy Spirit also known as the Spirit of Truth which leads you into all truth. The Torah of the Holy Spirit recreates and makes straight the heart. What is that? Healing DNA. Okay. Now the Bible says that it will get so straight, there will be no unclean thing there. Isaiah 35. What is that? The ability of the word or the ability of the gen genetics of God coming from the creation station only. This only works when you're God inside minded. And remember, like we said earlier, there's two different levels and whole different worlds of God inside mindedness. And all of you are in the world of birthing the child. As the child matures, which means your faith matures in the temple of the Holy Ghost, your spirit man inside those bodies you're in right now, then you're no longer going to be bringing forth the child within. You'll bring forth the adult. When I was children, I spoke as a child, acted like a child. When I was an adult, I put away childish things, which means now I'm walking in the adulthood of Jesus, which is absolutely above the sun cosmic righteousness that almost no one in the world has stepped into yet because they're not bringing forth the child. When you bring forth the child, you're walking in God's will for your life. If the child's something on the outside, this is my child on the outside, I mean, honestly, you're not even in Christianity. Your whole life is a lie. 
Press the reset button, which means get out of the mm -hmm. bewitchment. Having begun in the spirit, trying to finish in the brain. Yeah. Just repent and return yeah. to Christ in you. Yeah. Remember your first love. Go back to Malkut in your spirit, in the tree of Isaiah. And just start there and build on that solid foundation. And just keep building from there. That's going to form Christ within you. And just ask yourself, if you find yourself stuck at a certain place, what is it that's keeping me? Then there's, there's things on an external that'll come to, you know, try to, you know, stop you. But realistically, looking at the sapphire stone that you're on right now, look at the next one that you need to go to. You know the path. What is it right now in your own self? Thought life, feelings towards others, or a lot of times it'll be something from your past uh, that kind of keeps you tethered, earthbound, or an opinion about how something went down in your past involving, you know, the people of God. It could be all kinds of things. It depends on, you know, you, your life, what God's working on in you. And so what you have to do is say, okay, what is it? What is the quality of the next sapphire stone and the one that I'm on right now? That I have to understand because until there is a revelation or an understanding, a realization of change, which is repentance, each step up is a repentance. It's a daily dying to self. It's a, it's a continual repentance. So if there's something that stopped you from rising, you have to ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit. I feel fire coming on my face now. Holy Spirit is right here. Just ask him, what is it that's keeping me from going to the next one? For some of you, and this is not all of you, but for like some of you, it's actually your thoughts and opinions, not even in your head, but in your heart, how you felt about the sons of God manifesting. Or how, you know, it could have been a certain belief that you had. Something that you believed prior, and even though you're on board in your mind, there's still something in the heart that wants to hold on to the past and what you used to believe, what you used to perpetuate. Many of those things cannot be redeemed, they have to be scrapped. They have to be destroyed. This is how we overcome the black sapphire stones of the alchemy of the enemy. Those things that we once believed and we were in sin, you're going less into less sin as you're becoming made in his image, more perfect, more holy, those things are coming off. But where were your areas of prior deception? The things that you used to believe. Those are the things that once made you happy that were the things that God hated. Those are the things that must be completely anathemaed and destroyed. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll ask the Lord. He'll tell me. So I'll put my hand on my spirit and by faith. I command with my voice those things to be anathema out of my spirit, out of my soul, out of my flesh, permanently. Bam! And then I'll cough once by face, just... <coughs> loose! Loose! I'm going to be anathema out of your soul. And that's my daily shower deliverance. And I find, or wherever you're standing... Physician, heal yourself. Exactly. And so you anathema those things out of the soul. And you loose it out. Because you can do that because God revealed to you 
that thing that needed to go. So now I'm going to Look hate. Look at all the joy of the coffee. Yeah. It's breaking out. Yeah. <laughs> That's where Ruth Heflin is really my inspiration. One of my favorite songs. I did. I, I recorded her video from YouTube. I saved the recording and cut that song. And she coughs in the middle of it. She's like, I can feel the flutter. <coughs> the living creatures, you know. Like, oh, he's getting delivered mid-song. It encourages my soul. The humility of the prophets delivering themselves in the midst of a revival service. It's really encouraging. <laughs> it's really encouraging. Glory. I love when the, the spirit, the new creature, is so separated from their soul that they can just look at stuff in their soul and be like, just blast it out of there. What the yeah. heck is that doing in there? <laughs> There's a separation, a holiness of your spirit mm -hmm. set apart from your soul where you can look inside your soul and just blast everything mm -hmm. out. So your identity is no longer wrapped up in the animal. Amen. Ultimately, sacrifice brings forth the freedom so that your spirit is hidden with Christ in God mm -hmm. so that the soul can be the super magnifier of your healthy born-again spirit. Amen. So those of you who have been stuck on one sapphire stone, I just pray, Heavenly Father, that these ones who have been stuck to be unstuck now, and that revelation and that deliverance to speedily lift them and give them wings to fly on and step one small step for a spirit of an angel like Son of God and one large step for mankind to the next sapphire stone. May God give you the grace to go up. And just do it by faith. If you can see it, if you can hear it, just do it right now by faith. And trust that his wraparound shield will protect you. Your sins are forgiven. I forgive your sins. Be washed. Forgive Be washed. yourselves. You're forgiven. Be filled with God. Fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. Bam. And this is how you can do it. When I do it alone, I'll get a shower deliverance every day. You know, can wash everything right away. And uh, I'll say, let my sins be forgiven, and let the sins of the people of God be forgiven, and let us rise. I see some people moving now. Mm. Thank you, Lord. It's that acceleration, lightnings. Yetzira! Bam! There you go. Amen. Bless you with victory. Thank you, everyone, for the response yesterday. It was honestly the greatest response we've ever had at any Joel's bar of all time. And it was just overwhelming. And so I just want to bless all of you that are responding with humility to the divine teachings coming forth from this platform. That it's not just a human word, it's the word of God and it's going to bless you. It's going to cause angels to visit you. Just like the book of Acts, the, when there is a response and a humbling and a, a hungering and an obedience to what the apostles were doing, it moved angels in the kingdom of heaven upon them every single time. So I just bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your offerings have risen to God as a sweet-smelling aroma in His nostrils and let God pour you out blessings that you can't even contain it according to His word. And according to his will, and you be raised up in God's word, you be raised up in God's will. And if there be areas where there's strongholds, 
God would heal your souls, heal your minds, and deliver you from your humanity into his divinity through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night.